G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. We had just shifted. We'd been in our new home in Chernside Park for 48 hours, and it was a beautiful sunny day. And I said to my son, you know, I'd promised the fellow that moved us um, to pay him today. And I said, would you like to go? And he said, yeah, Dad. So we hopped, both hopped on, the, on my motorcycle and headed off. So near the corner of Marunda Highway and Mitcham Road, um, we were hit. And yes, our lives changed forever. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Dougie Reeves, better known as Big Dougie, was born in Iowa in the United States and came to Australia with his wife in the late 1970s. His dream was to be an Olympic athlete, and he strove toward this goal for 20 years. However, that dream was shattered one day when he was out riding his motorcycle. Dougie Reeves shares his story today as he has a chat with Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios. Dougie Reeves, welcome to the program. Thanks very much, Eric. It's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Glad to have you with us. And let's go back to your childhood, born in the Midwest of the United States, out in the corn state of Iowa. Is that right? That's known for corn? Absolutely. Yep. Iowa, Midwest, Bible Belt. Yep. Well, I'm from Wisconsin, the dairy state. You're from the corn state, so we should get along. Well, that's right. We could have shared food together. That's That's right. Yeah. Have a good meal together. So what was it like growing up in Iowa? Played a lot of sports there? It was wonderful. Yeah, I I had a wonderful wonderful life, um wonderful parents. Um I'd say just your basic ordinary life and and parents love sport um from the age of first competition at 8 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh particularly stuck with what I'd call the typical American sports. Um, which is uh, gridiron football, uh basketball and track and field which we term athletics. So you did all that. We did all that. There were seasons for each one, so we'd go from one season to the other. And we should say you're a pretty husky guy. Uh, wasn't always, to be honest. I was always tall-ish. Um, we thought 6'2", you know, 180, 90, 190 centimeters was tall. But, uh, of course, these days, um, I don't feel so tall. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I, I should say, in the interest of full disclosure, we go to the same church. And when I found out that you were an athlete, I just assume it was bodybuilding because you're a big guy. Mm. But you had, uh, had a whole lot of other sports as well. Yeah. Look, the the basketball and so forth, we actually had our first um, secondary coaches. They didn't believe in any sort of weight training whatsoever. Mm. So it was after the dreams of probably not to get, get to the Olympics or pro in any of those sports that um, got stuck into the weight room a lot more for the sports I was involved in. And at university, in addition to playing a lot of sports, you also met your future wife, Christy. Did. Um, Christy Reeves, um, who is then Christy Joanne Bramer, mm-hmm. um, virtually saved my life, um, I would say, in all aspects, but some people would say just spiritually, but... Um, but in all aspects, because that started my very clinical journey of growing up, 
Uh, Christy certainly helped out in that as she went to a Christian group, mm-hmm. um, and I found that out after our initial date. We went to an afternoon rugby game, and coming back to her room to drop her off, I said, could we go out tonight and um, you know continue this? And at the same time, I tripped up the stairs and felt like a fool. But anyway, we went out that night also. Oh, wow. So even though you trip, she still had mercy on you. (laughs) She did. And that's another part of the God story, which is, as we went to the movie then restaurant after, I started to ask questions. She asked me questions. And well, when, I got into a deep conversation about spiritual things right away. Oh, well, it, it wasn't really, but this is where God has, has his hand on our life, and sometimes we are not aware mm-hmm. that this is happening. So we started talking about um, where we were born and so forth. She ended up being born in the same town, in the same hospital as I was. Oh, really? Our grandparents lived on the same street, and our mom and dads ended up, we found out, going to school together. Now, wow. if that's not more than a coincidence, then... Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, cool. And as you mentioned, she was good for you spiritually? And yes, because she already was on a journey with her faith, mm-hmm. um, it helped me search. But then what happened? From then, um, we eventually um, searched for many, many churches. Um, We were both Methodist and Uniting. We tried Anglicans. We went to Baptist um, until we got a referral. And this was actually coming overseas into Australia with a uh, pastor out of Doncaster who is a Pentecostal. Um, Didn't even know what that meant. Um, evangelical, and um, I can tell you from a Methodist background of just going to church. Quite a difference. It was very different. (laughs) Emotional. Scared the heck out of me. (laughs) Yeah, quite a difference. So you mentioned coming to Australia. How did that come about? Well, we um, within one month, um, Christy had graduated from university, Um, we had been interviewed to come to Australia so you're married at this point? Uh, yeah. Well, we just got married in that month also. So Christian wow. graduated. We got married, accepted to come to Australia on a recruitment teaching program. And we did all of that and came halfway around the world on our first plane ride in 30 days. Wow. And why Australia? We picked Australia. We had two choices. Saudi Arabia was one and Australia was a second. We wanted to go to English speaking. And. I had Olympic dreams also, and Australia might work towards that well, goal, too. Well, let's uh, talk about those Olympic dreams. What, at that point, did you want to do? You saw yourself in the Olympics doing what? Um, anything, to be honest. Uh, it's like you just wanted to our, be an Olympian. I, I just wanted to be an Olympian, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted to give, use the God-given talents that um, I had been given in some sort of way. I didn't care what sport, but for me... It was, uh, when we came to Australia, um, I concentrated on athletics first. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, you were a a physical education teacher at this point? I was um, a teacher and mainly of physical education and sport. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to be an Olympian, and so I loved to throw stuff. Shot puts, hammers, javelins. Went down that track for a long time, drugged my poor wife to all the competitions, and <laughs> um, 
and that wasn't going to happen, so then swapped over to Olympic wrestling at that point. was doing my own personal training towards that goal, and eventually um, was picked and got to go to the mini Commonwealth Games, a prelude to the Commonwealth Games in 1982, and that was probably the pinnacle of my career, other than having two lads that I discovered. One went into Olympic wrestling, and one went into Olympic weightlifting. And you were their coach? I started clubs at every school that mm-hmm. I ever have taught in because I was constantly on the look of discovering athletes for Australia. Mm-hmm. So I was their coach, and um, uh, Joshua Brook was an Olympic weightlifter who we discovered, and he broke every state and national record from 32 kilos all the way up to the adult classes or up up towards 60 kilos. Um, wow, so like, that had to be very gratifying to know that you coached somebody who went on to have such success. Oh, we had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And then the other fellow that was at the Institute of Sport, his name was Juni Armstrong, and uh, he's now in the U.S. as one of the top personal trainers of the stars. Mm-hmm. But he he actually won the Commonwealth Trials in his weight class. Okay, so you're a physical education teacher. Meanwhile, you're okay. So you're a physical education teacher. Meanwhile, you're pursuing your dream for 20 years of being an Olympic athlete. But then, fast forwarding to 2003, you're going out for a motorcycle ride, and your dreams are kind of shattered, or they were shattered. What happened? Yes, as the old saying goes, um, life can change in an instant, and that's absolutely correct. And um, we had just shifted. We'd been in our new home in Churnside Park for 48 hours, and it was a beautiful sunny day. And I said to my son, you know, I'd promised the fellow that moved us um, to pay him today. Mm-hmm. They were in Mitcham, and um, I said, would you like to go? And he said, yeah, Dad. Uh, so we hop- both hopped on the, um, a motorcycle and headed off. Paid the mover, and on our way home, um, well, let me say, we never came home. Mm. Yeah. So near the corner of Marunda Highway and Mitcham Road, um, we were hit. We had a green arrow to go right, and somewhere out of the left parking area, and someone, someone was trying to beat the traffic and just creamed us um, and T-boned mm. us and hit it from the front left. And, um, yes, our lives change forever Mm. and your son was on the motorcycle with you yes he was thrown one way and uh thankfully for that and um i can still picture the moment that um i just saw out of the side of my eye that something was going to drastically happen and uh thankfully he was flown off the left and i was actually attached to the two-ton vehicle that hit me oh wow and I can remember them pulling it apart in the metal and all of that, eventually lying on the ground. But I must back up and say, in those split seconds, when I saw this vehicle out of the corner of my eye, mm-hmm. my heart, and I've talked to people later about this, isn't it amazing how people that don't have any beliefs, but when adversity strikes, isn't it amazing how most human beings say one thing, oh my God. Mm. whether you have a faith, a belief, or not. Mm. I have noticed this over and over Mm. again. And um, in those split seconds, I was just praying, please, Jesus, save my son. Mm. Save my son. 
And um, I was just saying prayer after prayer after prayer, almost like it was slow motion in the air. I said, give it all to me. Mm -hmm. Any injuries, don't give him any injuries. Give them to me. You're listening to The Story. Our guest today is road trauma survivor Dougie Reeves, who's been sharing how his life drastically changed on that day in 2003 when he was riding his motorcycle with his young 12-year-old son. Next, Dougie will share more of his story and how he has undergone many challenges since then, but also how the Lord has helped him through it all. All that and more is coming up when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Our guest today is road trauma survivor Dougie Reeves, who's been sharing with us about that tragic, horrific accident he was involved in back in 2003, when he was on his motorcycle along with his 12-year-old son. Unfortunately, that accident set off a chain of events that sent his life into a tailspin, as he had mounting legal and medical bills. Now, here's more of Dougie Reeves sharing his story. And what were the injuries that you sustained? At that particular time, I had over 40 to 50 injuries, fractures, dislocations, and organs. Mm -hmm. And that night, the surgeon that actually looked after me, Dr. Hervinder Beatty, um, he actually, we got hit at 5.05, and at 11 o'clock at night, he was still up in his office on the whiteboard making list of appliances and fixtures and everything he needed because he had to go from one injury site to the other. So it went from the bottom of my left toe and foot um, to ankle. My tibia was, I was trying to get to my son um, to find out how he was. And um, I couldn't mm. move and I couldn't crawl over to him. Um, but this was at the scene. That was at. You're trying to crawl to your son. That was at the scene. Yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, it's pretty much the whole left side, lower left side. And, um, of course, crush injuries are also the toxins that are released. Um, I also thought of that when they were releasing me from the car. I'm thinking, oh, I don't know if this is a good idea. They're releasing you from the car. Yeah, I was stuck to the car. My motorcycle was stuck to the car. Um, And you're in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And I'm in the middle of it. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Yeah. Wow. And I'm going, because I'd heard of other accidents, you know, crush accidents and, and workplace accidents. Yeah. And, and if someone's been, has been crushed, you got to be very careful because you can kill them straight away. And um, But after that, as poor Dr. Harvinder Beatty and his, um, his medical crew uh, finally got to attending me, um, which they didn't even start till after midnight that mm. night. And they did the first surgeries, um, which after 12 to 15 hours, they said they had to pull the pin. Because they just went from one to the other, all the way up my legs and into my pelvis. I was split open. Yeah, and how was your son? Um, very fortunate. Um, yeah, since Dirk was thrown to the side, injury-wise, he was fine. But of course, the the mental aspect of oh, the trauma of, of trauma yeah. and that sort of thing. So here you were, suddenly devastating injuries from the accident. Then to add insult upon injury. 
was the financial loss. Mm-hmm. Where was your faith in all of this? Solid as a rock. Um, as the old saying goes, it is what it is. And we understood and knew that God was uh, looking after us, and um, he would point us in directions as far as what the heck were we going to do. Look, um, what I want to say to the um, listeners, it's always encouragement. God has been there every step of the way for us, and we have struggled, and we have struggled, but we've hung in there because it had nothing to do with Jesus Christ and what he did to us. It had to do with Jesus Christ and how he saved us. Mm. And he pointed us in the next direction, the next direction, the next avenue. And that's what we've been doing for the last 18 years. Just hanging on to your faith in the Lord? Hanging on. And um, as people have said, you know, they've looked at me sometimes. They go, my gosh, you know, what do you do all day? You know, and in the beginning, I I actually took quite offense to that. Um, But again, unless you have had cancer, been in the military in Afghanistan and stepped on an IED, you've had terrible disease, family, you've had to be a carer for someone, which people are right now constantly, every minute of every day of their life. If you haven't been what I call trenchers, You've been in the trench, which is a military term. If you haven't been there, then it's like anything. Hmm. You don't know what it's like, which is fine, and that's fair. But um, like I said, for us to be able to encourage each other to keep pushing through Mm -hmm. and pushing forward, um, that is the name of the game because there is always light at the end of the tunnel and that's why god is love because he will look after his children if you will let him because there's always a way up and a way out now we have to find it Hmm. he loves men and women of valor which means integrity is great but the next part is crucial which is action he expects us to put in the action and here we are several years, nearly two decades later, mm-hmm. and you have lasting physical disabilities. What is your daily life like now? What are your long-term disabilities? Good question. Thanks, Eric. Um, look, um, long-term is still 40 to 50 chronic injuries, um, arthritis and bursitis and all those things that happen after injuries and calcium buildup and so forth. Mm-hmm. But So you're here today in the studio. You have crutches and trouble walking, difficulty walking to this day. So there, this is a lasting part of your life now. Mm. But yet you have chosen to uh, want to do public speaking and do uh, motivational speaking. Is that mm-hmm. right? Is that what you're passionate about today? It's never left, Eric. Yeah, thanks for 20 years. But I kept getting interrupted because I will not book appointments. And my health was too unstable. The injuries were one thing. So the the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. <laughs> you're, you're wanting to get out there and motivate people and athletes. Exactly. That's exactly. your heart. It's desire. Yeah. Yep. I've just made another, um, you know, decisions are one of the most important things we can do as as human beings. And I've made that decision that... You know, like the phrase goes, there's two kinds of pain, one that hurts 
and one that alters. Well, the hurt pain is 24-7. It's never going away. That's what you have every day. I have every day, and and my spinal injury and and my left paralysis down Mm -hmm. my left side of my leg and so forth. It's never going away, but I will use it. And when I'm doing things like I'm doing today, whether we like the term or not, it's a distraction. The brain cannot think about all the pain I'm going through and trying to share what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. So I believe in doing what you can with whatever you've got left. Do what Mm -hmm. you can when you can, as long as you can. So, hey, keep punching, and there is a God. You're a fighter. 20 miracles later. uh, We are over 20 miracles, and I can name every one of them to you. I don't know that we have time for all 20, but the idea (laughs) is that the Lord has helped one thing after another heal in your life, physically. No doubt whatsoever. No doubt whatsoever. I have um, a tag I brought with me today that I put all the dates down, and in a six-month period after we were hit, the first four miracles were very severe pulmonary embolisms. Um, at one point in time, we got there just in time because half the right lung was full of blood clots and my right ventricle was full of blood clots. And pretty much you don't walk away from that. Mm. And um, So the fact so that you're even here today is many, a miracle. Many, many times over. Yeah. Wow. Um, medical science doesn't understand it. I've stood before 30 specialists at the Alfred panel. Uh, my case has gone to Oxford University Is that uh, right? to study how someone actually can still walk and they lived through those sort of injuries. So I'm a very blessed man. Um, a walking miracle right here in front of us today. <laughs> so um, the body that we have been given is a temple, mm-hmm. and it is just amazing. Mm. Dougie Rees? Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much. That was Eric Scadabo chatting with road trauma survivor Dougie Reeves, better known as Big Dougie. And if you'd like to learn more about Dougie and his motivational speaking, you can go to his website. It's bigdougie.com.au. That's bigdougie.com.au. Well, it was inspiring to hear how even though he's gone through so much, and is in constant pain from his injuries still, he still has a desire to serve the Lord and tell others about faith in Christ. And he still perseveres himself by putting his faith and trust in God. As it says in the book of Isaiah, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Amen. Finally, if you can identify with any of the struggles that Dougie has gone through and like someone to pray with, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. We'd love to pray for you at 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks for joining us for Dougie Reeves sharing his story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I had to kind of come to the conclusion that through being prodded by the scripture that I was serving God in the way that best served me. I was was doing the music thing and thank you very much. I love that. That was good. But all this other stuff, basic compassion stuff, I, I I didn't know where that fit. In the 1990s, Scott McLeod was working as a successful musician when he became disillusioned and unsatisfied with the Christian music industry. Scott, along with some of his music peers, began to seek the Lord for direction and they were led to serve the poor and the lost of downtown Nashville, Tennessee. 
Scott will share his story next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.